Star Wars 7x7, episode 378. Today, we explore a shocking fact about J.J. Abrams' directing career. Punch it, Chewie. Feel a disturbance in the Force? It's Star Wars 7x7, your daily seven-minute podcast. With your host, Alan Voivod. Destiny Unleashed. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and I've been meditating a little bit on the episode that uh, we just ran about who the we is when it comes to the we that I occasionally fall into in speaking about Star Wars 7x7, and <laughs> it never occurred to me that maybe I'm talking about Chewbacca, <laughs> since I'm saying punch it Chewie at the beginning of every episode. So I have a mental Chewbacca running around. Maybe Chewbacca's my spirit Wookiee. <laughs> Just a little bonus, something that occurred to me. But all right. So in previous podcasts this week, I've talked about uh, the nostalgia trap related to the Force Awakens and how Jurassic World and Terminator Genesis play on our nostalgia for the franchises that uh, spawned them to uh, better or worse effect, depending on which movie you're looking at. And it occurred to me to look back at J.J. Abrams' career and see what he's done for us lately. And I was shocked to discover this, and I'm wondering if you're going to be as shocked as I am, but for all the work that we hear that J.J. Abrams does or all the movies that he's involved in, the man has only directed four feature films until now, Force Awakens being number five. Can you believe that? Like, Stop and <laughs> catch that for a second. Four feature films. He's directed, his first one was Mission Impossible 3, and that got a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, then the original Star Trek reboot, which got a 95%. Then Super 8, which was sort of the Spielbergian homage, and that got an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. And then Star Trek 2, which got an 87% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So good on him for having uh, a series of great uh, and well-reviewed movies. But beyond that, you've got basically uh, four television shows. We've got Felicity, and you've got Alias, and you've got Lost, and you've got Fringe. Now, I can't say anything about Fringe, really. I've never watched that show. But I can tell you from Lost and Alias that uh, both of them started exceedingly strong and then got weighted down by the mythology that they were developing. And I gather that the general consensus is that Alias didn't really work out its mythology very well, while Lost did a lot better. Personally, I never got connected with Lost after about season two. <laughs> it did lose me, for lack of a better way of putting it. But this is pretty amazing. Based on the back of four TV series, essentially, and based on three movies, because he was in post-production for Star Trek Into Darkness at the time that he was announced as the director of The Force Awakens. So just based on a comparatively, I don't know, I guess I want to say comparatively thin resume. Maybe the TV series, I'm not giving them enough credit. Then again, maybe I should be giving him <laughs> a little more credit because that's, uh, you know, three movies under his belt. That's one more movie that he had under his belt compared to George Lucas when George Lucas directed Star Wars, a.k.a. A New Hope. The only feature-length movies he'd done up until that point were THX 1138, which, of course, is a dystopian sci-fi uh, thing that barely anybody understood. 
<laughs> and American Graffiti, which doesn't share much with Star Wars at all, except perhaps a, a certain affinity for hot rodding. But it does make you scratch your head and wonder why it was that they didn't opt for a more experienced director. Uh, we know, for example, that Guillermo del Toro had been asked uh, about his availability, and he was not the only one. And, of course, Lucas handpicked Abrams, but he was not the only buddy who was interviewed. But when you think about it, when you look at the four movies that he's done, the Mission Impossible movies and the two Star Trek movies in Super 8, what Abrams has done very well is trade on nostalgia in a way that doesn't come across as ham-fisted or exploitative of the audience's nostalgia. I mean, I think the biggest complaint about Star Trek II, for example, his last movie before The Force Awakens, was that the uh, the production basically didn't handle the reveal of Khan very well in terms of the media leading up to the release. They kept saying, it isn't Khan, it isn't Khan, it isn't Khan, and of course it was Khan, and they just didn't handle it very well by all reports. But personally, I was not tuned in to the whole Star Trek run-up uh, rumor and spoiler mill, so <laughs> none of that affected me. And I know that Star Wars The Force Awakens has had its share of rumors and spoilers and leaks and whatnot, and yeah, some of them seem like they're pretty comprehensive, but... Altogether, I don't think there's been any shocking revelation that has caused the production to go on the defensive and say, no, it's not this, no, it's not this, with any you know, aggressive sort of behavior. So I think we're in a better place for The Force Awakens than Star Trek II was, I would say. So bringing it back around again, I do think that J.J. Abrams ultimately winds up as a very good choice of director. I mean, we still haven't seen the movie yet, so who knows, but... At this point, I think it's fair to say that based on his track record, based on the way that he handles nostalgia in movies, he definitely shows a proclivity for doing story over nostalgia and using nostalgia as just one additional element. Now, I guess we're going to have to talk about the lens flare situation. <laughs> nope, that he really does, in fact, dial that down, but... I guess we will see for ourselves in less than six months. Holy cow, less than six months. Oh, man, it can't come fast enough. Okay, we've saved some time for trivia for you today. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Last time we asked you what former horror film fixture landed the role of Grand Moff Tarkin. That was, of course, Peter Cushing. Today's question, in honor of the revealing of Domhnall Gleeson's character, General Hux, in The Force Awakens, can you name as many as eight generals from the original trilogy? And I'll even give you a hint, I'm only counting canon characters, which means that a few of the generals in the Death Star conference room in the original Star Wars don't count. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you go caressing a senator, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you want to join the inner circle of fans of the podcast, become a patron of the show at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not coarse like sand, it's destiny unleashed. podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, and all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2015 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.